glad to be at church this weekend. Yeah. I am too. Always a great, great opportunity to gather together in whatever location you're joining us uh, at today. Very, very glad that you're here. We are in week two of a series that we've called Right on the Money. And if you're joining us for the first time, any of our locations, glad you came. And uh, we're talking about how to break free from our anxiety around finances and money and discovering the path to financial freedom, whatever stage of life we're in. And then we're also in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, which you heard about. It's been powerful so far. Week one was incredible. I know week two is going to be uh, even more so. I encourage you to be a part of that. And our catalog of J groups, as you heard as well, is live this weekend. So you can find a group. We have over 140 uh, already and more being added every day. An opportunity to just get connected with some people. And we have groups meeting all throughout Journey City, our region, and online as well. So it's an exciting season in the life of our church. Let me just say real quick about Groups. Not only is this a big part of our spiritual health, but I believe it's, it's an important part of our mental health as well, being connected with a few people. And so I encourage you to join a group. And as we dive into week two of this series, here's what I know. Some of us might be a little bit nervous talking about money in church. And uh, some of us might think that money isn't very spiritual. Maybe that's kind of our view. We're like, man, I came to church. Tell me about something spiritual, man. I want to talk about about something that isn't spiritual. But as we saw last weekend when we kicked off the series, the reality is whatever we believe about God or church, money is the thing that most of us will think more about, plan more for, worry more over, and organize our futures more around than anything else over the course of our lifetimes, right? I mean, this money's just a big part of our lives. And if it's a big part of our lives, then that makes it spiritual. God cares about it. In fact, how many of us would say, just by a show of hands, if you're in one of our physical rooms, that you've, you've uh, bought something in the last week, just by a show of hands. How many of us bought anything? You paid money for anything over the past week. How many paid too much? Just show of hands. Just curious. I was just curious on that one. We know because of inflation, you know, we're all kind of paying too much. But Jesus actually talked a lot about money and possessions. In fact, if you're new to the teachings of Jesus, if you read the New Testament of the Bible, the teachings of Jesus that we have, he talks more about money and possessions than any other uh, single subject. And it's because he knew how connected our focus is to our finances. So something you need to know about Jesus, it is, he's not actually after our finances. In fact, I would say, and this might be kind of a strange statement, but I'm not sure that on their own, our finances are really that important to Jesus except that he's after our focus and he knows how much our focus is tied to our finances. He just knows that's the way we're wired and that's a reality that, again, none of us can really escape from in this life. And Jesus knows how easy it is to get money wrong. And he also knows how powerful it can be when we're right on the money. So that's what this series is about. And the thing is, whether we're in high school or college, whether we're single or dating or married or divorced or engaged or widowed, or whether we're rich or poor, uh, wherever we are, some of us are rich, we think we're poor, or we're poor, and we think we're rich. Wherever we are in that, the reality is we can't control all of our money issues, right? We can't control the economy. We can't control the unexpected bills that sometimes come up, the job changes, our health changes. There's so much financially that we can't predict and we can't control. So then what about the parts we can control? It's a really important question, like our perspective toward money and our patterns when it comes to managing our money. Again, whatever stage of life 
we're in. And the reality is, is sometimes we can allow what we can't control to get us in this place where we're like, well, since I can't control so much about this, I'm not going to control what I can control. And the truth is that there is, although there's a lot we can't control when it comes to money, our finances, there's a lot we can control, our perspectives and our patterns. And that's what we're talking about during this series. So last weekend, we saw that the biggest sign that we're getting money wrong is actually the ongoing presence of worry in our lives. Worry can take a lot of different forms. It can take the form of wishing we had more, being concerned about the future, comparing ourselves to what other people have. But it's not really the dollars and cents in our budget or in our finances that, that show whether or not we're getting the money right. It's, it's whether or not we have peace around our finances. And if you missed that first message of the series, really encourage you to go back and watch it on our YouTube channel or our app because it sets the stage for the series. Today, we're going to get really practical, okay? Like really, really practical. No guilt, no gimmicks. We're just going to talk about the next step on the path of financial freedom. And to find that next step, we're going to look at a book in the Old Testament of the Bible called the book of Proverbs and a verse in the book of Proverbs. Now, if you're new to the Bible, Proverbs is 31 chapters filled with these little wisdom sayings, these short sayings that kind of show what life is really like. And they are about everything from friendship to, to uh, sex, to work ethic, to how we handle our money. And they're written mostly by a guy named Solomon. They're kind of like this punch list of instructions for a successful life. All right, makes sense to everybody. So let's take a look at Proverbs 21 verse 5. Here's what we read in the Bible. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Okay, here are some sobering statistics, some sobering news about the state of a lot of our finances. 37% of Americans are either struggling or in crisis mode, full-blown crisis mode when it comes to our money, which is up 15% from just a year ago. So a lot more people are struggling with finances, maybe in crisis mode. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Almost half of us have less than $1,000 in savings, and over a third of us have zero money saved, which means we are betting that life which happens to everybody at some point is not going to happen to us, right? We're just betting, not going to happen to me. Half of us report that money is having a negative effect on our mental health right now. And then check this out. The younger we are, the worse we feel about money. 71% of Gen Z, which is people 25 and under, maybe you find yourself there today, we're worried about our finances. I said we, I'm 26. But under 25, a lot of people (laughs) believe everything else I tell you in this message. We're worried about our money. So wherever we are, whatever stage of life we're in, a lot of us have financial issues. And, And the question then is, what can fix this for us? Like this is a serious deal. And even for those of us who wouldn't say we're in crisis right now or we're struggling right now, the truth is we have some uncertainties around our money. What am I supposed to, how am I supposed to think about it? How am I supposed to use it? What can fix that 
for us. Well, what we learned last weekend is trusting God with our finances is the first step. And I really encourage you, if you missed that message, go back and watch it because it will help you find freedom in your perspective toward money. So trusting God and then understanding this. I actually found a verse in the Bible that can fix this problem with our money. I want to give it to you today. Here it is. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Some of us are going, man, that sounds familiar. It's like I've heard that recently. Yeah, I want to talk about it this weekend. So if we, whatever we believe about the Bible, so for some of us, a lot of us have built our lives on the foundation of God's word and we're growing in our faith, but others of us might say, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm still trying to figure out what I believe about the Bible. Some part of us knows this is true, right? Like this is one of those verses in the Bible that's just really difficult to argue with. This is just true. And some of us might say, well, that, no, that's not true. I actually have you know, I didn't plan all week and everything's going fine in my finances. Or I've taken three hasty shortcuts in the last 48 hours and I'm still good. Proverbs speaks to, watch this, what happens in our lives long term as a result of the accumulation of all of the short term decisions we've made. So the patterns in our life, it's not like one week of good planning leads to prosperity or one week of hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. The truth is, if you live this way long enough, whatever your current financial condition, if I live this way long enough in one of those two categories, this truth will show up in my life. And when it comes to money, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. And by the way, let me say, I think this is really important. When we hear that word prosperity, we may have a very one-dimensional view of that word. We may think immediately, well, that means getting rich. If I'll plan and work hard, everybody who has a plan and works hard is going to get rich. That's actually not what the original audience would have thought of when they thought of this word. They thought of more than just financial riches. Prosperity, when we look at God's plan for our lives as it's spelled out in his word, means so much more. And it doesn't necessarily mean wildly rich financially. It means having peace, purpose, and hope around our finances. And God wants that for every single one of us. So will you read that verse with me? We're going to read it out loud today, all right? Clear your throat, get ready. All of our locations online, just read this out loud. One, two, three. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So if we've decided we want to trust God with our finances, and again, some of us may not be there yet, but a lot of us are. We're like, God, I want to trust you. Maybe you even came into this year. Maybe last weekend you made a decision. This is an important area of my life. I'm going to trust God with my finances what do we do next? The scripture, the word of God, this verse, very clear. We come up with a good plan and we work hard to stick to it. How many of us are excited about coming up with a plan and working hard to stick to it? Oh, yeah, all right. Oh. Curb your enthusiasm, right? It's just... So there's a reason for this, and that is that there is another word for good plan. And it's kind of a, an offensive or troubling word for some of us. It is the B word of money. Budget. <laughs> budget is the B word of money, all right? A budget 
is a plan and a good plan, a good budget tells all of our money, all of it, doesn't leave any money unaccounted for, tells all of our money where to go, watch this, in advance based on our values. So a good plan, budget tells all our money where to go in advance based on our values. You say, why is that important? Because money has this funny thing about it. I don't know if you've noticed, but if you don't tell money where to go in advance, it will go places you never intended it to go. How many of us have had this experience? How many of us have wanted to have a conversation with our money and go like, how did you dream that up? That is not what you were made for. What is going on? And the reality is it just has this way of going. If we don't tell it where to go in advance and we don't, how many know you got to supervise your money? Your money cannot be trusted to do life on its own. How many know this is true? Like it needs you. How many of us have left your money home alone for and it just <laughs> tore the place up? It's like needs supervision. So a good budget is a good plan. If we're going to trust God with our finances, it makes sense that we would have a good plan. Think about it. We are asking God, for all of us who are trusting our lives to God, including our financial lives, we're asking God to provide for us. We're asking God to give us freedom from worry and anxiety. We're asking God to take care of our future, to bless us, to invest in us. So here's a question. Would you invest in a company that didn't have a good plan and a commitment to working hard to stick to that plan? I hope not. Let me put it this way. Would, if you had a friend who was like, hey, I just started this company. I would love for you to invest. Just a small investment is fine. Maybe $250, $500. Let's just, you know, some of you are going, that's not a small investment, but just in company terms. I want you to invest. Here's the thing. I got a bad plan. Don't intend to do anything. And I'm not going to work very hard. Would you be like, oh, take my money? <laughs> Absolutely not. I hope you wouldn't. So what do we do? We come to God and we're going, God, I want you to provide for me. I want you to bless me. I want you to free me from anxiety and worry. And God says, all right, I think what you're asking me to do is you want me to do what you can't, which is give you security financially to know that whatever your net worth, whatever things look like, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. You're right. It's something you can't do. Only I can do that thing. So if I'm going to do what you can't, God says, I want you to do what I won't, which is manage your money in a way that honors me. God will not do that for us. And many of us have discovered this is true in every area of our faith, by the way. Some of us have said, okay, this year I'm going to go to church every weekend. But if you don't have a plan, you won't end up at church. Some of us, I'm going to read the Bible. But if you just hit the snooze button until right before it's time to run out the door, go to work, go to school, you're probably not going to get much of the Bible read. In fact, if you don't open the app or open the Bible, you can't just go, okay, God, I'm going to read the Bible. Mm, just bring it to me, God. <laughs> Got to have a plan. And the same is true with our finances. Listen, it does not make sense to say that we are trusting God with our money unless we're going to manage it in a way it demonstrates to God that he can trust us with his money. Since it all comes from him, we need a plan. Now, some of us may be like, I don't even know if I believe in God yet. Good news about this particular principle in scripture that we read, it will still work to some extent. But for all of us who do believe in God, I think this is the part some of us sometimes overlook. In fact, let me just kind of go there for a minute because I think there are some of us that get very spiritual in our own minds. 
And we kind of think, okay, I'm trusting God to provide for me financially, so I don't need a plan. Just God's going to provide. And we may even cherry pick some verses from the Bible or some stories that we've heard where God showed up and did something very unexpected, which he can and does do. He is a God who works miracles. But we take that one unexpected thing and we ignore the fact that the person who experienced it 99.9% of their time was living intentionally. So God could trust them with the miracle. We're like, okay, God, you're going to provide. You're my God. I'm not going to have a plan. Let's see what happens. And God says, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Is you're going to be very frustrated. And you're going to think that I'm not doing my job as God. But the reality is this is a partnership. And I need you to have a plan. If you want me to do what you can't provide, you're going to have to do what I won't, which is plan. And for all of you who give here financially, we live this out as a church. I mean, imagine if you asked me about our budget as as a church, and I said, we don't really have one. We just kind of wing it. I mean, that would not be very comforting, right? In fact, one of the things that we do as a church, God's really blessed us as a church to be to be able to take this step of faith and work through our church to help a lot of people in our region and around the world. This year, I'm very excited that we are committing at least the first 13% of what you give here to invest outside our walls to meet needs in our region and around the world. We call it Code Red. That's just right out of the gate. Before we do anything here as a church, we're investing it outside our walls. And the way we do that is we work with community partners, people and organizations who can help us feed people who are hungry and help people who are experiencing homelessness and plant churches and make a difference in the lives of those who are marginalized and overlooked in our world. It's amazing what God is doing. But do you know how we choose those partners, those community partners? We look for organizations that have good plans and a reputation for hard work. Why? Because this is a principle that honors God. So good planning, setting up a budget means figuring out how much money is coming into my life, from where, how often, how much is going to go out, for what, how often. It's simple, but when we start doing this consistently, it revolutionizes our money. Why? Because it's good planning. And it leads slowly but surely to prosperity. And again, that's the kind of prosperity that really matters. A rich life where we have peace and hope and intentionality in every area of our lives. There are a lot of tools that you can use uh, to build a budget. We're going to share some on our social media this week. If you follow us on social media, we'll give you some tools. But whichever we choose, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, a good budget has three priorities, right? It's very simple. Number one, God first. God first. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the message. Number two, savings second. We'll talk a little bit more about that principle next weekend. And then number three, spending third. You say, good news, I got all three of those. The order is important. God first, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna trust God with my life, I'm gonna put him first financially. Saving second, margin, keeping a little aside, and then spending third. And a good plan, a good budget decides in advance at the beginning of each month exactly where every dollar that comes in is gonna go. It's supervising our money. It's doing the hard work to sticking to it, doing the hard work of sticking to that budget, to that good plan. Now, I know a lot of us might say, man, that's so basic. 
I know all of that, man. That's just so simple. So then the question is, what keeps us from doing it consistently? Why do we still get money wrong? And I do, we all do, right? What happens? What gets us off track? What keeps us from being focused on this priority, from being right on the money? I found a verse in the Bible that I think speaks to this so powerfully. Watch this. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. There's the problem. Hasty shortcuts. What leads to poverty, and by the way, just like prosperity doesn't necessarily mean owning your own fleet of private jets, poverty does not mean just a low balance in your checking account. It means a low way of living. Anxiety, greed, comparison, we're short-sighted, we're worried, we're irresponsible with our money. That's, that's poverty no matter how much money we have. And hasty shortcuts lead Poverty. So what are hasty shortcuts? Here are some. Spending more than we make. Buying stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't really like. It's a hasty shortcut. Oh, you got a new couch? I must need a new couch. Hasty shortcut. Confusing wants with needs. Many of us are very skilled at convincing ourselves that we need things when the truth is sometimes we're just trying to medicate something else that's out of alignment in our lives by spending money. We're trying to purchase purpose. You can't purchase purpose. And we've got some other deficit in our lives. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Maybe it's a a purpose thing. And we're trying to spend our way to feeling good. And it's a short-term high that always leads to a long-term low. It's a hasty shortcut. So what's your hasty shortcut? I don't know. It's not for me to judge. I mean, is it an Amazon addiction? I don't know. Seven streaming subscriptions. You'd have to watch TV 14 hours a day to even keep up with all those streamings. I don't know. I don't know. The venti ice brown sugar oat milk shaken espresso. I don't know. Is that, is that a hasty shortcut? You say, man, you, is there something wrong with Amazon? Is there something wrong with streaming subscriptions? Is there something wrong with a venti? I don't even know what it was anymore. I planned it out. And I can't remember. Is there something wrong with that? Listen very closely. No. There's nothing wrong with any of those things in and of themselves. But if they weren't part of the plan you decided in advance, they are a hasty shortcut. So if you had a good plan, all right, I'm going to have two. I'm going to read it. Venti ice brown sugar oat milk shake and espressos every week. Two of those were God's will for your life. You can afford it. God first, saving second, spending third. It fits in the budget. Those two were God's will. That third one was the devil. Come on, somebody. Let's just get. (laughs) Glad you came to church. (laughs) Why? Because now it's a hasty shortcut. Wasn't in the plan. And over time, it doesn't happen overnight. Say it's one venti, whatever it was, going to mess me up. No, but over time, hasty shortcuts lead to Poverty, remember? Good planning, a budget, tells all our money where to go in advance based on deep values that go beyond finances. And hard work, the discipline to stick to it, leads to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts, what wasn't in the plan, leads to poverty. And there again, there are some things that weren't in the plan that we couldn't have planned. But there are other things that are just hasty shortcuts. All right, so I know that's a lot. 
But this is something God wants for us. It really is. So where do we start? We start by identifying the hasty shortcuts that are posing the biggest threat to us right now and tackling them. And this really is spiritual. So if we're spending more than we make over the next 24 hours, we set up a budget, we create a budget for the rest of January that tells our money where to go in advance based on our values. And then we stick to it. If we're buying stuff to impress others, we remind ourselves, I have enough because my life is more than stuff. And if you need a reminder of that, go back and watch last weekend's message. It will set you free. If we're confusing wants with needs, we make sure our lives are relationally rich. I want to encourage some of us who've been trying to purchase purpose. Make sure your relationship with God is strong. That's what 21 days will help you do. When you connect for prayer with other people and you put God first at the beginning of the year, your relationship with God can get deeper. And join a J group. Do life with some people going the same direction spiritually. People who have more than money on their mind because they have more than this world on their mind. And it'll strengthen your faith. Why is this so important? Because there is a path to financial freedom. You can be right on the money and God thinks you're worth it. He really does. God thinks every one of us who has made a decision to trust him with our lives is worth it. He wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. And it starts with knowing that you are enough and that you have enough because you have security in God. You don't need a certain balance. You don't need a certain amount in your account. You are enough and you have enough because you know God. But then the next step is very important as well. A good plan and a commitment to some hard work. And it might not happen overnight. And that's okay. It's a journey like so many things in life. But God's word is true. So next week, we're gonna continue the series. For now, over the next few minutes, in just a moment, I'm gonna give you a very concrete way you can apply this today. A way that you can put this in motion. But if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you can take a pass on it. You can listen in, but you don't have to do anything uh, with it. In fact, I would encourage you to just come back next weekend. But first, for all of us, wherever we land spiritually, here's what I want to invite you to do this week. Every day, read this verse out loud. First thing in the morning, on your way past Starbucks, while you're browsing online or admiring a friend's new, whatever it is they just bought, quote it to your fiance. Be life-giving, but quote it to your fiance. Quote it to your spouse, quote it to your kids, quote it to your parents, quote it to your mirror. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And if you're still trying to figure out what you believe about God, here's what I want you to know. The reason God put principles like this in his word is because this is just the tip of the iceberg of what he has for you. And the reality is when you put your faith in Jesus and you follow him, you will see so much wealth in your life. But I'm not talking about financial wealth. I'm talking about the wealth that really matters. Peace, hope, purpose. Jesus was clear about this. He came to give us a rich and satisfying life, a prosperous life. Just not that one-dimensional prosperity we think of. 
In fact, when you put your faith in Jesus and you begin to follow him, it begins to matter less what's going on financially that you can't control. Because you know your life is secure in the Father's hands. And God wants to work in your life in a powerful way. He wants to give you great wealth, but it's the spiritual kind that matters most to God. That's what he wants for you. So I have one more thing, as I mentioned, that I want to give you today before we wrap up. That's a way you can apply this. It's called the God First Challenge. And at your seat, there's a card that looks like this. If you're in one of our physical rooms, if you're watching online right now, you can text God First, all one word, God First to 94,000. We'll get you a digital version of this. But this is the God First Challenge. So again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just kind of listen to this. You don't have to participate in it or anything like that. But if you are a follower of Jesus, this is part of the good planning and hard work of putting God first financially, of honoring God with our money. And it's around giving our first, or what the Bible refers to as tithing, returning the first 10% of our income back to what matters to God through our community of faith. And it's saying, Jesus, I'm going to put you first financially. Now, here's what I know. I've had people over the years, you know, who've asked me something like, tithing. Is that a commandment? Let me just say this and just kind of let this sink in. Usually that's not a good way to deepen a relationship. So I'm married. My wife Susie comes to me and says, hey, you know what? I really think we should have a date night this week. We need to spend some time together. Me responding, is that a commandment? not the best way to deepen the relationship. When God says, hey, I want you to come closer to me. I want you to spend time praying, reading my word. Yeah, but is that a, do I have to? It's really not a great way to deepen the relationship. This is a principle. And I believe God put it in his word on purpose. And it's an invitation. It's not a death-bringing commandment. It's a life-giving invitation. So I want to invite you Um, to take this step today, God first challenge. So if you're in the room, grab that card real quick. If you're watching online, get that digital version. Again, you can text God first to 94,000. Let's walk through it together. We're all at different places. So there are three different options on this card for the God first challenge. I'm gonna walk you through these. Here's the first one. I commit to giving my first or tithing for the next 90 days. What does that mean? If you've been growing in your faith, you're a follower of Jesus, And maybe you've given here and there, but you haven't consistently established the habit, the pattern. Remember, it's our patterns that really make the difference long-term, our habits. If you haven't established the pattern of tithing, the habit of tithing, do it for 90 days. Just make a commitment to do it for 90 days. That's about from today through Easter, a little bit more than Easter. Just make a commitment. I'm gonna do this for 90 days. And it's very simple to do this. You can set up recurring giving online. That's how Susie and I give. So every pay period, our first comes out first. We want God to be first financially. So before we pay any bills, before we do anything else, before we save, before we spend, God's first. Encourage you to do this for 90 days. And let me just say one more thing on this. If you've had the intention of doing it, I think this is important. One of our young leaders during 21 days said this really stuck with me. God doesn't honor our intentions. He honors our actions. So for some of us, we've had the intention just 
If that's you, this is your place in the God First Challenge. I commit to giving my first tithing for the next 90 days. Here's a second one. I commit to continuing to give my first and pray about how I can grow in generosity. So if you've been tithing, giving your first, maybe for a few months or even a few years, and you would just say, I'm, I wanna recommit to that in 2023. I'm trusting God with my finances. Then here's what I would encourage you to do. Keep tithing, keep putting God first, but begin to pray that generosity would not be limited to just something, to, to, to just that, something you do at church, that God would begin to allow generosity to show up in your relationships, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors would begin to see the generosity of God through you. Because God wants your focus. He wants to work in your life. So if that's you, make that commitment in the God First Challenge. Here's a third one. I commit to giving above and beyond as God blesses and leads me. So for some of us, we've been tithing, we've been giving our first, we've even begun, begun to experiment with more generosity and trusting God in some ways, and now we're starting to feel like maybe this is something God really wants to do through our lives. In scripture, we read about a gift of giving. So everyone should give, everyone should put God first, but some of us have this thing in our lives where God wants to work through us in some pretty profound ways. Maybe we have capacity or we just have this, this heart of generosity. If that's you, your giving can change communities. It can change the world. So Susie, my wife, and I, we don't, it's a little scary to us. We don't completely understand it. We don't always feel like it should be us, but we feel like this is something God's calling, into a, calling us into. And we're praying every year, how do we give more? How do we just keep raising the level? Many of you did this during the Christmas offering. You tithe, give your first, but you gave above and beyond, and it's changing our region. So if that's you, choose that in the God first challenge and make a commitment in 2023. Now your location pastor will walk you through the, this card and what to do with it in just a moment. So stay right till the very end. But for right now, make one of those three commitments to the God first challenge. You say, but it sounds like I'm going to need a plan. And that seems like hard work. Got a verse for that. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, the kind that really matters, a deep richness of living. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And if you'd say, I want God's best in my finances this year, I trust him and I'm in. I'm gonna put God first in my life. Would you just raise your hand all over the room, hold it up high. Yeah, if you're watching online, you can do that right now. Lift that hand up toward heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, we love and honor you. God, you are a good God. And you are a God who longs to provide for us, not just with our money, but in every area of our lives. And even when we go through difficult seasons, God, you are providing everything we need. We trust you. God, I pray this over us right now that we would not just have good intentions, but we commit ourselves to God honoring actions. That through faith and trust in you, we would put you first. We'd be intentional about our finances. That, God, we would stop living in worry and comparison and anxiety and hasty shortcuts and start living in the truth of your word. And bless it, we pray, so that we can be a blessing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me take just one moment more and speak to any of us in the room, at one of our locations, you're watching this, and you don't have a real relationship with God yet. I want you to know how much you matter to God. Listen very closely. This is how much you matter to God. You matter so much to God 
that he came up with a really good plan to rescue you, to save you from your sins, what was keeping you from him. He sent his son, Jesus, and it took hard work. Jesus died on a cross to forgive your sins, rose again so that you could know God. Why? Because God wanted a rich relationship with you. So he lives out his own principle when it comes to saving you. And if you don't have that relationship with God yet, you can start it today. I'm going to lead us in prayer again. It's your opportunity. So I want everyone to join me. Just open your heart up big to God. And then if that's you today, if you want to begin following Jesus right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today I give my life to you. I believe you died to forgive me. I believe you rose again. I believe you're real. From this day on, give me the power to follow you. I'm putting my faith in you today. And if that's you, if you'd say, I want to be included in that, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. We lift your hand and just hold it up high, boldly. Putting my faith in Jesus today. Yeah, yeah. Trusting him with my life. If you're watching online, let us know. And then everybody, will you help me? Come on, let's give Jesus all the thanks and all the praise. Would you do that with me?